Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to the latest Simple Flying podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the news from the world of commercial aviation. Now, let's get on with the show. Coming up in today's show, I'll update you with the latest goings on at Qantas, and we'll take a look at a special aircraft delivery from the last week. We'll also take a look at why a special flight didn't go quite as expected for JetBlue, and if the current crisis could mean the end of British-based Boeing 747s. Finally, I'll take a look at a new innovation mooted by Airbus. So, let's get on with the show. So, I think you wanted to start today by telling us a little bit about Qantas and what's going on in a land down under. Yeah, I did. So I'm really missing travel. So I thought rather than uh, our usual focus on European and US aviation, we'd take a trip down under and see what's going on with uh, the flying kangaroo. So last week, there were actually a load of announcements from Qantas. Um, There was a big kind of press release and and conference that went on. And uh, yeah, so a lot of things have changed and a lot of things look like they will change. So first of all, they're cancelling all their international flights until the end of July. Um, although domestic and trans-Tasman, trans, I can never say those words, trans-Tasman flights will continue until, uh, will restart at the end of June. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of to be expected. Um, it's uh, in line with what Qantas has been telling us all along. However, the really big piece of news was that they have firmly hit the pause button on poor old Project Sunrise. Um, Now, I expect you've been following along, listeners, but um, we know that they selected the A350-1000. It was kind of going head-to-head with offerings from Boeing, um, and they were due to announce a decision on definitely going ahead with Project Sunrise back in March. Um, But due to kind of the whole coronavirus crisis kicking off, they decided to delay that announcement. Um, And until the announcement's really made about whether they're actually going ahead, obviously that order hasn't officially been placed. Um, Now Qantas tells us that the whole project has been indefinitely delayed. Um, Alan Joyce basically said that he really didn't see a place for Project Sunrise in the current and near future aviation environment. So terrible news for those of us that were hoping for a direct and bad news for Airbus as well, because that was a a sizable order that was due to be placed by Qantas. Um, As well as the damning news on Project Sunrise, um, Alan Joyce finally admitted he is reviewing his long-haul fleet. Now, I say finally admitted um, because we kind of said a while ago that we thought maybe the 747s wouldn't come back and that the last one had operated its commercial flight. And at the time... um, Qantas was very quick to deny that and to say that, you know, they would be coming back. Um, I remember that. Yeah. Now he said that actually there is a likelihood that the 747s won't be coming back. So uh, although we we, we went on news that was unconfirmed at the time, we were right. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a a poison chalice there because uh, it's always good to be right, but really sad to see the Queen's being retired. Um, Within the long-haul fleet as well, obviously, there's the um, Dreamliners, the A330s. Their futures are fairly assured, particularly the Dreamliners, because they're all very new. Um, And the A380s, now we thought the A380s would have a more solid future for Qantas. You know, they've spent millions of dollars on refurbishing the cabins and, um, you know, bringing them up to standards. So we kind of thought that they were safe. But actually, Qantas has now pressed the pause button on that refurbishment project as well. Mm. Um, 
So, I know two of them are in Dresden right now being refurbished. So ah, uh, okay. Will they carry on or? <laughs> well, I believe just come the ones back with that. Half a cabin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that would be stupid, but uh, yeah. so the ones that have been fitted, I guess will uh, they'll want, be wanting to get some use out of those, won't they? But uh, the ones that haven't been fitted, the refurbishments are now on hold, and Joyce has said there is a potential to bring back less than the twelve. Um, so it's a tough time for Qantas. I, I saw something that said they're burning through $26 million a week um, and deferring deliveries as well. We got news this week that it should have received three Dreamliners and one A321LR this year. Um, both of those have now been pushed back to 2021. So, um, yeah, tricky times for the, the flying kangaroo. Um, do you think the trans-Tasman bubble could help? Have you heard of this concept? I have heard of this concept. It's interesting. I'm in sort of two minds about it. Like, I think in terms of Australia and New Zealand, it could help. But I don't think it's a general solution to where we are currently. I agree. And somebody asked me last week, do we think it could be replicated elsewhere? I mean... There seems to be a bit of a bubble evolving between the UK and France because we've now got this potential for the UK to have a quarantine, but mm. people from France won't have to go into the quarantine because we're seen as, I, I don't really understand, you know, we're so, not COVID free. So yeah, it's what bizarre. I heard was that um, if we implemented a quarantine on France, they would do the same to us. Um and I don't take that as news because I don't know that's just what I've heard and that could be um, a bit wrong as well. But I mean, it's just crazy that I could quite easily hop on a train to France and then I'd be fine going in the UK. But flying direct from Germany, it's a whole different story. And Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky mm. one. And I'm sure that maybe next week we'll discuss the uh, the UK quarantine issue because uh, at the moment it's still very maybe because um, well, there's been I mean, no it kind just, of... It really makes me think, what's the point now? Because... Okay, a couple of people could bring it in, but you're not going to want to travel to the UK. Um, like, like we have I mean, the worst level of coronavirus yeah, it's, in all it's of the Europe. Worst in so, Europe. Yeah, so, actually, they should be barring us from leaving, not yeah, trying to exactly. stop people like, from coming in. <laughs> it should be the other way around. I feel, but um, absolutely. Like, yeah, um, just leave it until everything's better, and then we'll implement a solution. Yeah, it's bizarre. The the whole thing's very stressful at the moment. But yeah. um, anyway, that's my that's my news from down under. So, do you want to tell us about some news from your neck of the woods, Tom? Yeah. So um, I had the joy of writing about an exciting delivery that we saw in um, Hamburg this week. And that was an Airbus delivery. And they delivered the first of three new Airbus A350s to the German Air Force. And there's a little caveat there in that it wasn't actually delivered to the German Air Force because Lufthansa Technik took delivery of the aircraft. Um, yeah, and basically what they're going to do is um, turn it from a normal A350 into something that's fit for carrying German heads of state. Um, but again, there's a caveat with that in that this aircraft is only getting sort of a sort of rushed, rushed interior job um, because they're hoping to have it flying as soon as the end of July. Um, and bizarrely, this is actually the third of the free A350s, yet it was delivered first because while it's got a civilian registration at the moment, um, when it takes its military registration, 
it's going to be 10 plus 0, 3. Um, and the other two are going to be 10 plus 0, 1 and 10 plus 0, 2. Um, and what's going to happen is when these other two arrive, they're going to get fitted out straight away with the full, um, this is what we want in our A350 configuration. Um, and then once they've got the other two in the sort of proper configuration that they need, then this original A350 will then be sent back to have its temporary cabin taken out and be fitted with the full um, the full cabin for the German government's special air mission wing. Mm. Does it get kind of defensive things as well, like um, big guns and what have you? Um, so I read on a previous article that it, that we wrote that it's going to get um, anti-missile systems, which sort of wouldn't surprise you. It's, um, it's not obviously going to be designed for fighting air battles, although that would be quite <laughs> cool to see. Um, but it's more um keeping just a the bit Chancellor of protection safe yeah yeah sure um and hopefully it will be better than the a340 which has had some trouble <laughs> i don't know necessarily recently but oh it's broken down a notorious. few times though hasn't it <laughs> yeah i remember the story of merkel sitting next to a surprised onlooker in iberia's business class <laughs> because her plane wasn't working yeah <laughs> oh it's and about time really was only from 2011, um, because that replaced an A300 or an A310 in 2011. Ah. So God knows what how that aircraft was, because the A310 <laughs> in 2011 must have been knocking on a bit. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh well, it'll be exciting to see. And I've seen the photos, and I have to say, it does look gorgeous in that it livery. Does. So I think, uh, I think that might be my favourite, or my second favourite A350 livery. I couldn't possibly put anything above BA's winglets. Yeah, if you say so. <laughs> so what we're talking about, um, beautiful liveries. <laughs> uh, this is about JetBlue, and uh, JetBlue's been doing loads to help the kind of COVID fight in the US. Um, and to honour its healthcare workers last Thursday, it planned this um, exciting low pass over the city of New York um, between 7 and 8pm to coincide with the nightly clap. I mean, here in the UK, we just do it once a week, but apparently in New York, they do it every night. So uh, We don't even they, do it here. Do you not? <laughs> you we watched it on care. the news, uh, on the English news, and I was really blown away at how... <laughs> how big a deal it is it is quite a big deal there's uh, trumpets and all sorts (laughs) there were bagpipes in my street last week anyway (laughs) so to coincide with the nightly clap they picked thursday and they picked three of their most uniquely liveried aircraft there was i heart blue york which is a kind of tourist sponsored um i think it's by the empire state fund or something um blue finest which is actually really pretty and that one's um in honour of the police, and Blue Bravest, which is in honour of the uh, fire department, and that's a big red plane. It's an, and, you know, the three of them together really look quite cool. So they they were to fly in convoy from JFK. They were going to go around Brooklyn, over the Bronx, down Manhattan, and back to the airport. So about a sort of 30-minute trip all in all. Um, and it was also to kind of launch this promotion it's doing to give away 100,000 pairs of tickets for what it's calling healthcare heroes. Um, so anybody who works in healthcare can be entered into a, a competition to win a pair of tickets to any JetBlue destination. All sounds lovely, um, but there was a terrible backlash on social media for this action. Um, loads of really awful comments about how irresponsible the airline had been 
been, and I have to say, when I heard about it, I didn't even make the connection between what they were planning and the awful thing that happened in 2001. And it wasn't until I started seeing some of these posts on uh, social media, you know, about low-flying aircraft with a backdrop of skyscrapers, that's going to put New Yorkers at ease, um, that I twigged kind of what the issue was. So, you know, Absolutely. I can understand why it made some New Yorkers nervous. And maybe not everybody had heard that JetBlue was doing this promotional fly past, but certainly a lot of people did not appreciate it, um, calling it wasteful and unnecessary. Um, and a couple of uh, lawmakers in the city actually accused them of dirtying the air in a city that's already battling a respiratory illness. So uh, a bit dramatic. And uh, I, I really, to be honest, I felt very sorry for JetBlue. They'd gone about it the right way. You know, they'd got a carbon offsetting company to completely offset the cost of the flights to the, the environment. They'd got a fuel company to donate the fuel so it wasn't costing the airline, which, you know, it shouldn't be. Airlines shouldn't be frivolous with their money at this point in time. And, uh, you know, the whole thing was meant to be a kind of thank you and awareness raising, a salute, a bit like what the Blue Arrows had done the, the week before. Um, you know, but uh, but no, they got a really bad backlash on it. Um, JetBlue's been doing loads of good things. They've been flying medical workers around for free. They were the first airline to mandate mask wearing in the US. What do you think, Tom? Was it just in poor taste or are people just being silly? Um, I mean, I don't want to say too long, uh, too much either way. I can see the point of other people, certainly, but I, I don't like the point that you raised about dirtying the air because there's already so many, so much fewer aircraft in the sky. You know, like the net balance of that is going to be even if you've got free empty aircraft that are hardly putting out any emissions because they're empty. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think. The air, the air People should, be should see it that it's for, been for many years. Yeah. <laughs> People should see it for what it is uh, rather than what it was not. Yeah, I did feel sorry for the airline, but uh, there you go. I don't think they'll be doing anything like that again. So that's why we can't have nice things. Anyway, um, moving on, what's happening with British Airways? You haven't mentioned any so, British so, Airlines so, at all this week. So, so I'm no, sure this you're is, going to say something. This isn't just British Airways this time. Um, oh. It's sort of more like a British 747 thing as a whole because um, it's been a bad week for um, 747 lovers in Britain because first off, Virgin Atlantic made a series of, or one big announcement that had a lot of details in it and I think you wrote up some about it and I wrote up some and sort of the big stories were that it was going to be bye-bye Gatwick Airport and also bye-bye Boeing 747. So actually it's interesting because we had a lot of comments on that story on social media and a lot of disappointed people had already booked their seats um, on the 747, their favourite seats for say September and they now won't get to fly on them. And it's, it is a bit sad because the 747 has been sort of iconic part of British aviation for over 50 years now. I mean, BA's predecessor, the BOAC, first had the uh, 747 like 50 years ago in April, I believe, was and of what course, Virgin out. began its career with a 747. Yeah. They they hired one, and that's kind of how the whole airline was born. So, yeah, yeah it's a, a real big loss to them. So, it's definitely an end of, an, end of the era for Virgin. But then also, 
BA released their finance or IAG released their financial results earlier this or last week, and they had something to say about the 747 as well. And they didn't actually comment about British Airways as 747s. What they said is that the IAG group would look at speeding up the uh, consider speeding up the retirement of the 747. And British Airways is the only airline in the IAG group that operates the 747. So oh, clearly they were talking there. about theirs. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's an interesting one because I'm in sort of like they've said they're considering it. So um, there's nothing firm yet, but I, I definitely believe that a portion won't fly again. Um, I'm unsure if it will be a total, we're getting rid of it now, like Virgin, because they still have a sizable 747 fleet and um, they're expecting demand to return sort of 2023. And they're going to need some aircraft in the meantime as demand continues to build. So, I mean, certainly I can see the four that flew down to the aircraft graveyard in Spain not flying again because yeah. it would be convenient to get rid of them. Um, Absolutely. But it, it's just a bit of a sad one because, like I said, 50 years of history and now it's gone. That's so There's more... The 747 has been flying for British Airways for longer than the iconic Concorde did. And now it's suffering a similar fate to the Concorde. Yeah, just hasn't got a place in the future aviation yeah. industry. It's a sad, sad state of affairs, and uh, I think we we spoke a lot last week about um, you know the retirement of these older aircraft types, and I do mm. think you know if and when the travel market gets back to where it was, it will end up being a very different airline fleet that we see globally. Yeah, um, and I mean, sad in some ways, still... but positive for the environment, I guess. Yeah, I mean, of course, we'll still have seven four sevens because. One would hope that Lufthansa is not going to get rid of its brand new uh, 7478s, but we'll just have to wait and see. And of course, the massive cargo potential for them. There's so yeah. many so many cargo operators with them. So they'll still be around, but there might be fewer to fly upon. Mm. <laughs> so thinking about the future of air travel, I came across an interesting story just to kind of round things off today. Um something not coronavirus related, thankfully. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so Airbus has been quietly beavering away since 2017 with a Silicon Valley startup called Konaku um, to develop an what they're calling an electronic nose. <laughs> so these these little units, they look a bit like jellyfish that you kind of stick to the wall. And uh, they've been developed to detect things like um, chemical and explosive threats so they could work very much like the sniffer dogs to um to locate sort of bomb threats and chemical threats um and the reason that they work is because they they use actual living cells combined with microprocessors so um you know they're kind of half alive and half robotic if that's uh, not too much of a sci-fi concept so is um, this the robot revolution <laughs> it could be the beginning certainly but um it's smell is the hardest thing to replicate by a robot you know we've we've got robots that can see we've got robots that can hear we've got robots that can sort of touch and sense but we've never really nailed down developing a robot that can smell um so this is really quite exciting and uh, they're talking about putting them in the kind of scanning tunnels you walk through as you enter the airport um, and they will uh, look out for things that they are programmed to look out for. So at the moment, they're focusing on um, programming them to smell um, bombs and, and chemical explosive threats, um, but they could also be used to sniff out disease um, such as 
oh, I did say it was not about coronavirus, didn't I? <laughs> so, it's not um, too late. Pick something else. <laughs> so, um, you know, dogs can be trained to identify cancers. I'm sure you've heard about this and um, other health issues in their owners, particularly sort of proper support animals can tell their owners when they've got high blood pressure or low blood sugar or whatever. Um, so this is kind of the direction this technology is heading in. And Airbus says we could see them at airports by the end of this year to be using bomb detection. Um, but longer term, the, the big dream of this company is to put one in every home so we can get a free health check every morning. So oh, okay. you just kind of breathe on your jellyfish and it tells you if you've got <laughs> cancer or something. <laughs> wow. So uh, it's all very sci-fi. and uh, But it was interesting and, and they are crazy looking things. So hmm. yeah, if you do get a chance, go and have a look on the internet for Airbus and Konaku and their uh, smell detection devices because they're pretty cool. I will do. I mean, the picture just looked weird to say the least. <laughs> they do almost look like jellyfish and yeah. my slight apprehension was that they use astrocytes which are apparently brain cells so then you start okay. to worry if they can think for themselves. And It is the robot revolution. <laughs> Quite possibly. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's uh, that's all we can talk about in today's podcast. We've been on a, a wild journey today, so we hope yeah. you enjoyed it. And uh, as always, we welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.